In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the month of Tuba, and in the reading of today, Christ is condemning the generation of his time, and he's calling them evil. And one of the things that he says to them is, therefore, in verse 34, therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. So we can try to understand what does Christ mean when he says, when your eye is good. You know, we consider and we think sometimes that something is just pure or something is impure. What does it mean for the eye to be good? And if the eye is good, then the whole body is full of light. The way that we see the world is very important. The way that we, we look around us and the things that we see and how we interpret them is very important. Two people can see the same thing. One person appreciates it. One person sees the good in it. One of the people is thankful for it. While the very same thing, another person criticizes it, complains about it, things that is lacking, is not grateful for it, and so on. So there are some things where it's not about the thing itself, it's more about the way that we perceive the thing. How do we look at it? You have one person who finds it very easy to forgive others, right? And that maybe another person who the same thing happened to them finds it very difficult to forgive. Why, what is the difference? Why is it that one person is so easy to forgive and another is not? So we're going to look a little bit about what are some of the characteristics of the good eye. The person who can see with their eye, and because their eye is good, they interpret everything in a good way. They're able to serve God, they're able to work the spiritual works that God has called us to do more easily because of our perception, because of our understanding, because of the way that we see. The first characteristic is a good eye sees what is unseen. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The person with the good eye is able to perceive the wisdom of God in the midst of the chaos of the world. Someone who maybe sees wars and famines and plagues and destruction and pandemics and uh, everything in the world, one person looks at this and falls into despair and anxiety and panic and feels like everything in the world is horrible. Another person looks at the same thing and he still believes that God is behind everything, that God is in control of everything, that there is, there is nothing to be afraid of or to fear because even though we are out of control, we don't feel like we personally can be in control of any of the things happening around us, but we are not afraid because we trust that God is present. So the one with the good eye is able to see the presence of God even in the midst of destruction, even in the midst of sickness, even in the midst of death, even in the midst of anything that happens, the person with a good eye is able to see God in it. The person with a good eye is also able to see and perceive that there is a reward for the faithful, right? A reward for the faithful. The person who is, is faithful in their life that God uh, promises them that they will have a heavenly reward, this is the unseen. Maybe in, in the world we don't see this reward. We don't see the outcome of all of the good works. We don't see the outcome of generosity. We don't see the outcome of anything good. Actually, maybe as Christians, people reward our good with evil, right? And this again might cause people to be in despair, make us to give up actually doing good altogether, make us feel like the world has no potential for good at all, uh, that, that there's no point even of seeking and preaching to other people because we feel the world is, is, is full of so much wickedness. But the good eye sees what is unseen, right? Sees what is unseen, sees that there is a heavenly reward, sees that even though I might not be rewarded on earth for my actions, for my faithfulness to the Lord, but there is a reward for me in heaven. This is the unseen reward. 
A good eye, what else does it what is what else does it see that is unseen? It is sees the will of God. The the will of God in the midst of the situation that we're in. This is the will of God. Uh, the a person who has a good eye is able to see this hidden this hidden will, right? Maybe again in the world when we look around us and we ask what is the will that is running the world? Who is the one who is running the world? According to which plan, according to which mind, according to whose decisions? Right? And people in the world will look to governments and they say, oh, governments are making decisions, politicians are making decisions, wealthy people are making decisions, or maybe even I myself from my own household am making decisions. But a person who has a good eye that sees what is unseen, sees the will of God behind all these things. If you study in the Old Testament from the very beginning all the way through until the coming of Christ, you find that there is a plan that God has set into motion that begins in one generation and ends hundreds of years later. It is not something that can even be perceived by a single generation or by a single person. It is only after the whole thing has unfolded that you look and see God's prophecies. You look and see how God started a work in, in one era and he ended the work in a completely different era. You know, this is the unseen. That even though we do not understand the work of God and we cannot point to everything that God does and say, yes, this makes sense to me especially when we are still in the moment, right? And yet the good eye sees what is unseen. We, we trust and believe that the will of God is working and operating, even though it doesn't seem to work the way we, sh we think it should or at the speed that we think it should, but we still believe that God is working and it is unseen. Another thing that the good eye sees that is unseen is the inhabitants of heaven. In, as, as believers, as Orthodox Christians, we believe that heaven is present with us on earth at the same time. We don't believe that heaven is like a separate domain far away out of our reach. No, we believe that all of the spiritual is present with us. The unseen that we, that we see around us is the heavenly hosts. We see the angels. We see the presence of God with us. We fill our churches with icons to remind us of the presence of the saints even as we pray in the church. This is unseen by the world. And yet by us as believers, we see. So this is one of the characteristics of the good eye, is that we are able to see what is unseen. Second characteristic of the good eye is that it sees beyond merely the outward appearance of things. In the Second Corinthians 10 verse 7, St. Paul is saying, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? Like it's a criticism. He's saying, are you only judging things according to the outward appearance? How fast do people judge others based on only the out outer appearance? Have you ever had a situation where you met someone for the first time and maybe they said or did or acted in such a way that made us to feel critical of them? And we began to feel critical and even judging them. And then later on, we got to know them personally and we started to get insight into why they are the way they are, why they think the way they think, what experiences they had in their life. And maybe the way that we think toward them has changed. We shouldn't hasten to judge. We shouldn't prejudge things. The, the person with a good eye does not prejudge and does not judge according to outward appearance. And because of our limited ability to see beyond the outward appearance in many, many, many cases, then this is why it's best not to judge at all. We can judge actions. We can say this action was good, this action was bad, but not to go to the extent and say, well, because this person did this action, then I give them a label. And I say, oh, well, this person is such and such a person. Right? This is not how God wants us to, to deal with one another, right? Uh, a person with a good eye that sees beyond the outward appearance, he's not deceived by riches or fame or wealth or power. He looks at each person as they are a human being made of dust, like me. 
No individual has real power. And I'm not going to be convinced by flattery. And I'm not going to be convinced by power or wealth. And I, because this is all just outward appearance. This is all something that just looks fancy and glittery from the outside. But, but in, in its essence, what is it really? I remember um, when I was working, um, one of my coworkers, he had a daughter who had cancer. And she was uh, a part of the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, which um, the, the, the way the foundation works is they, they find children who are in need, like have cancer and so on. And in order to like brighten their day and make them feel happier, they would like grant them a wish. And so the, the foundation, they, they were speaking to this girl who was my coworker's daughter, and they gave her three options, okay? One of the options, and this is of course at the time, uh, one of these celebrities who was like a, a Disney character, later on she, she grew up and she became like very like, uh, like wicked in what she does. But um, the, the, this person who was like a, a beloved like actress in one of the Disney shows and things like that, one of the options of the wish was that she could have a meeting with her, right? And she could like sit and talk with her. And so the girl, she was, and like one of the options was going to Disney World and another option was something else. Um, and so the girl was like, you know, trying to decide what it is that she wanted. And so while she, the people from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, they said, uh, that they saw that she was trying to think and she was leaning toward having the meeting with this uh, actress. So they told her, you know, just so you are aware, the person that you see on the screen, the person who you think you know this person, in real life, they're not like that. In real life, you're going to find that when you meet with them, that they're really not as kind or as good or as friendly, or they're not going to spend that much time with you as you think. So they almost like tried to make it seem like, you know, just wake up and realize that this is not what you think it is. Even though it looks from the TV, it looks like it's something very good. It looks like a person you would want to spend time with, but in reality, it's not. So this idea of being deceived, right? How easy is it for us to be deceived by power, to be deceived by influencing by others, right? Other people believe, so many other people believe something without even thinking, I just go for it, right? The good eye sees beyond the outward appearance. Also, the person with the good eye who sees beyond the outward appearance does not operate according to the values of the world, right? Just because the world has a certain value system, just because the world has a cancel culture, just because the world decides that certain actions are good and certain cursing is good and certain behaviors are good and certain responses are good, just because the world has decided that here in 2021 doesn't mean that that is reflective of my values. The values that we have should be reflective of the word of God, which is unchanging, which has existed for thousands of years, right? What God has commanded us to do has been the from the very beginning, from the very beginning of our creation, the command that God gave to us has not changed. Why in the modern day, would I look around at what other people are posting on social media and then decide that this is what is appropriate, even though it contradicts the word of God? A person with a good eye does not look at the outward appearance, but looks into the depth and to the heart of things. Third characteristic of the good eye is a good eye judges itself and not others. In Luke 6, 41, Christ is rebuking the people. And he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Why is it that it's so easy for me to pick up on the mistakes, the failures, the weaknesses of other people? And yet in myself, I am blinded completely to these same things. Why is it that I always give myself a pass whenever I do something wrong? 
But when another person does something wrong, I do not give them a pass. Why am I so quick to label other people when I do not want people to label me? St. Moses the Strong, who started out his life as a wicked man, as a man whose life was full of sin uh, and gluttony and sensuality and murder, and yet after he turned and changed his ways and became a monk, he never forgot who he really was. He never forgot that everything that he is today, it is because of the grace of God and God's mercy on him that he would accept him even in the monastic life, that he would cover him with his grace, that we'd help him overcome his, his temptations and overcome his weaknesses. He never forgot who he really was, that he was a sinner. So when the day came, and there was a, a monk in the monastery who had fallen into some kind of trespass, and all of the other monks were judging him. And they asked St. Moses to come and be among those monks who would judge him. He says this very famous phrase, and actually one of his famous icons is based on this, when he says, My sins run out behind me, and I do not see them. And today I am coming to judge the errors of another. He says, If I myself cannot see my own sins, who am I to go and to judge another who has also fallen into sin like me. It is easy for us to judge when we imagine ourselves without flaw or blemish or perfect, but we know this is not the case. We know that about ourselves this is not the case. Maybe I do not even know my sins. How much time do we spend, you know, looking and hearing what other people are doing and focusing on them versus on focusing on myself and saying, who am I? What is it that I need to change? A lot of times in marriage relationships when couples are having a conflict with one another, each person is looking toward the other person. How can you change? How, what, what, how is the other person going to change to make the marriage better? And each person has you know, a list of complaints and things they wish were different in the relationship. But oftentimes instead of being kind of the one taking the initiative and each person looking at themselves, they are waiting for the other person first to change so that they can begin working on themselves. And, and so it never happens. Everyone is just waiting for the other person to be perfect or to change or to make an effort before they make an effort themselves. A person with a good eye who judges themselves and not others doesn't run away from the truth, wants to know themselves, even if what they find in themselves is not pretty, even if what they find in themselves is very lacking. This is actually the beginning of healing, the beginning of transformation, the beginning of change. Just like when you go to the doctor, the first thing that you have to do is figure out what is wrong. Because if you don't know what is wrong, there's no way you can correct it. You don't just go and randomly give people drugs and medicine and surgeries. You first figure out what's wrong with the person. And then once you know, now there is a solution. The solution is to, is to, to address the specific things that you found. If we don't go through that step of self-examination, then we don't know what's wrong. We, we, we are running and escaping and fleeing from what is wrong and instead of being serious about it. So a good eye judges itself and not others. The fourth characteristic of a good eye is that it is attentive to the needs of others. St. Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 2, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Some people are very good at seeing and, ex and feeling the needs of other people. They, they feel like when there's other people with them, they're the ones who remember the birthdays. They're the ones who are always thinking about how can I do something to help another person. 
They're the ones who are always seeing when someone maybe is a little bit sad, they can sense from them that they're sad and they want to help them not to be sad anymore. They're the ones that are willing to change their plans in order to go and to give somebody a ride or to go and console someone who is in need or to go help someone in whatever way they can. They're the ones that are always being proactive and thinking, right? I'm sensitive to the needs of others. My eye is able to perceive outside of my own world. It's not just about me. It's not just about my things. It's not just about even my close family, but it's beyond this. God is calling me to be a servant to the world and not just a servant to myself. How mindful am I of others' feelings, of their interests, of their desires, of their fears? You know, how, how easy is it for me to compromise to make other people happy? How easy is it for me to to, to change a decision that I want to make in order to accommodate other people. This all has to do also with the good eye. The good eye is attentive to the needs of others. Number five, a good eye sees the word of God, knows and understands the word of God. In James chapter 1, St. James says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will, will be blessed in what he does. A person who looks at the word of God and sees it, that it is a source of liberation. It is not a source of constraint. You know, some people look at the Bible and they see it as a, 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 like a, a burdensome set of rules that we must follow them. Otherwise, we have damnation. This is, this is how some people look at the Bible, at the word of God, at the commands of God. That these are here to restrict me, to limit me, to make me feel um, unhappy in some way or the other, right? Or impractical. Other people look at the word of God and they see it that this is a source of comfort. This is a source of liberation. This is a source of joy for me to know the truth and to understand how God loves me so much as he does. Two people read the same Bible, come with completely different conclusions about it, right? We should see the law of God as liberating, that we desire to live by it, and that we trust that God's working in order to save us from the sin that is in the world, in order to save us from ourselves. You know, again, back to the doctor analogy. Sometimes the doctor tells us to do some kind of treatment that's not very nice. Medicine that doesn't taste very good. Uh, surgery that obviously we'd prefer not to have. In whatever way, a lot of times the physician asks us to do some kind of a treatment that's a bit painful, right? But the pain of the treatment is far less than the pain of the disease. This is why we are willing to endure the treatment, because the treatment is better than the disease. God is also telling us, here is the treatment. There is a certain treatment, like when we speak about fasting, when we speak about confession, Right? These, this is part of the treatment, and maybe it makes us uncomfortable. Maybe this isn't what I would have chosen. Maybe this is what I don't, I don't prefer to do this. But this is the treatment, and the treatment that God asks us to do is better than the disease. A person with a good eye looks at this and says, this is a good treatment from the, from the good physician. He is the great physician. He is the one who is treating me. He is the one who knows my ailments. He is the one who knows what is right for me, and I will accept from him what he allows for me because it is good for me. Not to grumble against it, right? Because when I grumble against it, I actually hurt myself. The sixth characteristic of the good eye is the good eye seeks always the heavenly reward. In Proverbs 23, it says, Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. What does that mean? He says, do not look at the wine, what is red. Don't look at the earthly luxuries. Don't be so attached to the earth. Don't be attached to the, the sparkly things in the earth, the things on the earth that are 
that are um, attractive. These things, like we said earlier about the outward appearance, they, 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 they don't have any real depth. They don't have any real benefit. They are attractive to our flesh, right? That when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly, even the words in this verse, like they, they, they give you a picture of the way that sometimes we see the world, that we see the, the luxuries in it, when we see the sensuality in it, when we see the things we want to experience in it at the expense of other things that are more important. We ask ourselves, what type of reward are we living to achieve? What type of reward do I want? Am I living only for this type of reward, the sensual reward, or am I living for the heavenly reward? A good eye looks past these luxuries. A good eye looks past the things that are sensual. A good eye sees what is truly good, not what simply feels good in the moment that our flesh desires, but sees what is truly good, that even if it is not very attractive to my flesh, that it is truly good, that it has, that it has the Spirit of God in it, and it is through these things that God blesses us and not through um, these temporary rewards or things that we seek after. The last point, the seventh point about the characteristics of a good eye is a good eye always sees the good in others. In Luke 7, 47, when Christ was, uh, when, when Christ was meeting with the sinful woman who came to wash his feet with her tears, the adulterous woman, he said about her, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. He looked at her, and even though she was uh, a harlot, he saw in her something good. He saw in her something good, and he promoted that thing that was good in her. And he, he didn't try to talk down to her, but he made her to feel that she was a worthy person. And he actually defended her in the sight of other people. When we look at people, what do we see? Do we only see their flaws? <clears throat> do we only see the things that are wrong with them? <clears throat> their mistakes, their bad habits? <coughs> Sometimes this is all we see. And we don't see the potential. And we don't see that they are made in the image of God. And we don't see that we should forgive. And we don't see that we should have mercy on other people. And so we only see maybe what they have done to hurt us but we don't see that they have the ability to change and that through the working of God in them, they can be transformed. So a good eye sees the good. This is why a person with a good eye is able to be a good teacher, someone to teach someone, not information, someone who's able to, to grow someone, someone who's able to take someone who started, um, you know, maybe very immaturely, uh, very sinfully, very selfishly, and still sees that there is good and potential in this person, that they can continue to grow and become less selfish, and become, and become more holy, right? Unless we see this in others, then we will have no motivation to, to serve one another. We'll have no motivation to preach. We'll have no motivation to go and do anything good in the world because we feel that in the end, the world cannot change. So we ask that God give us this good eye because like he said in the verse we spoke about from the beginning in Luke eleven thirty four, it says, therefore when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. It is Christ who looks on us with the good eye. He is the one who sees us with the good eye because there is nothing good in us except what, what Christ sees when he looks at us out of his love for us. So we should ask that we would be like Christ, that when we would see one another and we would see the world, that even though the world has so much suffering and pain and wickedness in it, that with the good eye that we look at it and we see the presence of God in all things, the presence of God in our society, in our homes, in other people, even in our enemies. And we ask that God fill us with this light, that we would be children of the light. And glory be to God forever. Amen.